This is Ashley, and this is School and Life, a weekly podcast about life, love, and occasionally libations. This week in Mentor Moment, I wanted to talk about a return on investment. The idea of a return on investment basically means that you invest or spend money on something. You know, maybe it was your education, right? In your degree, maybe you bought a Balenciaga bag, maybe you, you know, put money in an investment account. And the return on investment basically measures the return, right? The percent of return on your initial investment. So for example, if you invest $100 in something and you get $100 back, that's 100% return. If you get $200 back on a $100 investment, that's a higher return. And then if you get less than $100 back on the money spent, it's less of a return. And so, so much of the way that we spend money is based on our either real or perceived understanding of the return on investment. And I say real or perceived because, right, like, for example, what is the true value, quote unquote, a staycation, right? You pay rent and mortgage in a place, you know, go get a hotel in your same, you know, or not too far, you know, community, maybe a luxury hotel, nice hotel, and you take a long hot bath and their spa-like tub and you order room service and you, you know, go down to the lobby for a cocktail and, you know, meet, you know, like hang out in the lobby like a tourist and, you know, take in the city or whatever, you know, you might commit to investing hundreds or thousands of dollars in an experience like that. And someone else might say, well, that doesn't make any sense. You pay rent. Like you could just go home and do that. But the return that you might be looking for is just peace and ease and, you know, being able to be pampered even in your own city. Right. So your perceived return of like having a spa day or having a carefree day or having a staycation may be higher than someone else's perceived return on the same thing. But then there are things that are a little bit more real or a little bit more concrete, like your return on investment for your education, right? So you spend maybe thousands of dollars on earning a degree or certificate or credential, and you do expect that degree or certificate or credential is going to yield you um, a higher level paying you know, role where you'll be able to recoup the funds that you spent on that investment. And, you know, obviously, you expect to recoup them over and over and over again throughout the, throughout your career. As a mentor, right, I serve women and who are, you know, very much concerned about their return on investment and rightfully so, right? You know, when it comes to spending your money at any time, you should be thinking about what am I going to get out of this, right? And, you know, a lot of women come to me thinking, you know, is it going to be worth it? Am I going to get results? Am I going to see a return on my investment? Um, and we all know that education isn't cheap, right? So many of us have degrees that we're still paying for. So, you know, we have to be really thoughtful about where we're spending our money, you know, and plus the issue is that so many women don't even feel like the degrees that they earned have given them the return. So when I'm talking about inviting them to invest in their career development, there can be sometimes some hesitancy there and rightfully so, right? They want to make sure that they're not repeating the same cycle that they did with their degree. However, I can tell you that the women who I serve, the women who work with me, they see results from the work that I do. My mentee, Sarah, invested in the Mentor Me program. And at the time, you know, the, the investment for the program was about $2,500. She received a $35,000 salary increase, right? She saw a 300% return on her investment. I mentee Patty, at the time that she invested in the program, it was $4,000. She received a $84,000 salary 
salary increase, you know, that's like, you know, I think like a 3000% return, you know, I have a mentee, a Kindle who invested in the mentor me program at the time that she invested in the program. I think the investment to join the program was like $3,500. She just received a $10,000 salary increase. So even my, you know, when I, like I said, that uh, return on investment was several hundred percent, right. In the return. And so, you know, the return on investment for the mentor me programs is immense, right? And, you know, over and over and over again, my mentees see significant return on their investment, right? You know, my programs, all of them right now are less than $5,000 to work with me. That's the most expensive program at this time. And, you know, regularly my mentees are seeing 25, 35, 50, you know, five, I mean, even $80,000 salary increases. And so the return is absolutely there. And I think it's important that women, and again, are very much concerned um, about their return on investment, right? That they're being intentional about where they spend their money. And you want to make, you want to invest in yourself in something that's going to give you the best return. And I can guarantee you that mentor me provides a significant return on investment for the women who choose to invest in themselves through the program. So if you're considering mentorship, I absolutely invite you to apply to the mentor me accelerator. I'm accepting new mentees right now, and you can do so right on my website at mentor-me.org. Next up is I digress. And this week, I wanted to talk about forgiveness. I can proudly say, and it is like a very proud thing that I'm proud of, is that I am quick to forget. I am a person who believes in forgiveness. I'm a person who is intentional about giving people the opportunity to forgive. I'm quick to offer forgiveness and to ask for forgiveness. And one of my favorite things about forgiveness is that it requires a level of vulnerability on both sides. It requires a person asking for forgiveness to recognize that they caused harm, to to recognize that they offended or to even recognize that they literally were wrong and to invite, you know, the other person, you know, the person that they harmed, the person that they wronged to forgive them. And, you know, for the person who's doing the forgiving, right, it requires a vulnerability to soften your heart, to listen to the person who wronged you, who maybe offended you, who really hurt you and to, you know, offer them empathy and grace and accept that apology and, I just, I do. I love the whole act of of forgiving. And one of the things that my fiance often tells me is that apologies without change behavior is a form of abuse. And so I think it's so important not just to ask for forgiveness or not just to forgive, but also to be aware of how the person who is asking for forgiveness or how if you're, you know, asking for forgiveness or if you're forgiving someone being aware of the change behavior around that, around that situation. And, 
you know, I think that forgiveness and forgiving shouldn't be done lightly. Not that you shouldn't do it. I think you absolutely should. There's so much power in it. And I think that we have to, how do I say, we, we absolutely have to make sure that we're committed to not just apologizing and kind of getting over the thing, but we also have to make sure that we're committed to changing our behavior and our interactions with those who we ask for forgiveness of or who we choose to forgive. Because if we don't do that, we're manipulating them, you know, we're abusing the situation and it just drags out like a really, you know, what might, you know, could be, it, it puts a really, it could put your relationship in a bad place. It can make it even far worse than it was, right? You ask for forgiveness and then you don't change your behavior. And now the person is doubly mad because they were vulnerable enough to forgive you, vulnerable enough to let you back in. And then you hurt them again. And personally in my life, I recently asked for forgiveness for something. And before I did it, I really had to think about like, am I committed to changing my behavior? (laughs) Am I committed to doing, approaching things differently? Am I committed to like interacting differently? Because if not, then there's no use in me apologizing, right? Like there's no use in apologizing if you're just going to go back to doing the same thing you were doing before. And I just think that there's so much value in assessing your commitment to change behavior when you apologize, because if not, again, it's just abuse. You're just abusing the situation or you're just kind of like, well, I just want you to forgive me so I can feel better, but I'm not going to do anything to make sure that this, you know, to prevent this from happening again. And so I, I, you know, like I said, one of the things I'm, I'm very proud of is that I do feel like I'm open to forgiveness. I feel like I'm quick to ask for forgiveness, but I'm always thinking about like, am I going to change this behavior? Am I going to do things differently? And if I'm not, why am I even apologizing? Why not say, you know, I mean, obviously don't say I said what I said because that's adversarial and antagonizing and not helpful. But like, why not just be like, you know what? I meant what I said. I believe in what I said. And I know that it hurt you. Uh, and, you know, it, you know, maybe it wasn't my, it wasn't my intention to hurt you, but I don't take back what I said, or I don't take back my approach. And I plan to address you like that in the future because of X, Y, and Z. Like, let's go ahead and say that and admit that so that people can understand where we stand. They can understand what to expect from us and they can decide if they want to deal with that or not, but just apologizing and then not changing the behavior is just manipulative because you just want to be forgiven. You just want things to quote unquote be over, but you're not interested in changing your approach. So it, you might as well just not have even, you know, apologized in the first place. You might as well not even do done that. So that's definitely something I'm reflecting on, right? That's something I'm thinking a lot about. And in, in this recent situation, right, where I apologize, I really earnestly meant it. And I even said, you know, let me know if you want to work to repair the relationship, you know, you know, let me know if you accept my apology, if you're, if you're willing to do the work required to repair the relationship, because it's going to be work on both sides. Yeah. And I just really believe in that. And I just invite you to apologize. I invite you to accept an apology, you know, if one is being given or at least consider it. Right. And then, you know, when you're considering apologizing or you're considering talking to, you know, accepting an apology, look out for the change of behavior or discuss how the behavior is going to change. Stop letting people apologize to you and then treat you the same way in three days. Like, you know what I'm saying? Let's commit to 
requiring more of ourselves and those around us. And I digress. Last but not least is TVT. And this week, I wanted to talk about the Jackson, uh, Janet Jackson documentary on A&E. Wow. So I came home a couple nights ago and my fiance was watching the Janet Jackson documentary. And I'll be honest, like I, I'm just not a big documentary fan. And I love Janet for like the cultural icon that she is, but I can't say that I'm like a big Janet Jackson fan when it comes to like her music in general, right? Like I absolutely like understand and respect, again, the cultural icon that she is. I would never question that. And I'm just not like her music doesn't move me in the same way that, you know, it moves others. So I kind of was like, mm, I'm gonna go to the other room while you watch this, right? Like kind of, kind of not super interested, but I had, we were eating dinner and I kind of got sucked in and wow, she did that. Like she really, really did that. It was so good. It, and it was better than it had to be. Like, if that makes sense. Like, I mean, I feel like, and she, you know, she produced it. I think her brothers helped her produce it as well. And I feel like it's one of those things where she definitely could have like brushed over some stuff and she definitely could have like, I don't know, like not made some stuff that big of a deal or whatever, but she really went deep into her relationships, herself, her family, her background. She seemed like really vulnerable, really open, not wanting to hide anything, not wanting to under oh, like under understate anything. I think the only thing that was like a little vague or confusing was her most recent relationship with the person who I believe is the father of her child. But but otherwise, like yeah, I, that was part was vague and kind of confusing, and it felt rushed at the end because it was like, well, who's this baby father, and what happened with this relationship, and then who's this baby? Like I don't know. I just feel like there was, you know, she didn't, she did not go into that at all really deeply. But yeah, otherwise I thought it was just really revealing and very well done. And one of the things, <laughs> I'm a big sister, right? I'm a big sister. Janet's a little sister. I think she's a baby of all of them, but I'm a big sister. And I definitely, as she was talking, I just, I definitely feel like her brother, Michael in particular, really took advantage of her and like that's something like I got from the documentary like big brothers and big sisters are supposed to support their little brothers and little sisters they're supposed to uplift them and encourage them and I don't know get like provide them with like a pathway to like be great and be awesome and live out their family's legacy and I just feel like Michael was kind of mean to her well and I don't just feel like she talked about the fact that he like called her names throughout her childhood like you know, is the reason why she had some pretty severe like body image and eating issues. And then with the whole scream thing, you know, with the whole like scream video, I got like the way she told the story and, and obviously Michael's not here to tell his side, but the way she's told the story, like I very much got, yeah, like he was under allegations. He, I was hot and at the top of the charts at the time, he basically called me in to like, do this scream song and then like ostracized me the whole time and didn't we like didn't even like do the video together it was like two separate things and his managers kept me away from him and then like afterwards you know we were trying to connect and do a tour and stuff and he didn't want to do it I don't know I just felt like he used her and like 
I don't like that. Like, <laughs> I think I feel very protective of her just like as a woman and as a black woman. And then I think I feel a way because he's her big brother or, you know, and was supposed to protect her and support her. And he didn't, I, you know, based on what she shared, like he wasn't like that. Like he, he wasn't super supportive and encouraging. And then like used her when he was in a rough spot, when it was, she was at a high and he was at a low, he used her in, in a way that I didn't love. I didn't like to see it. I did not like to see it. Um, you know how you love to see it. I did not like to see it. And so, I mean, let's say personal family business or whatever, but since you let me in, Janet, that's my two cents. I didn't like that. I felt like he used you for scream. And I mean, I don't know if he got anything out of it, like better perception in the eyes of the public or whatever, but y'all was standing by him and supporting him. And then he kind of shit y'all out at the end. And I just don't like that. That's not how you treat your siblings. So that's my two cents on the Janet doc. I also just yeah Jermaine Dupree messed that up I don't even understand that and I would have like I could I don't know like she seemed really happy with him and she seemed really in love and imagine she know Janet Jackson like disgusting and I just feel like you know Jermaine Dupree like what a poor choice but she did seem really like happy and really in love with him and I love that relationship for her yeah I don't know it just helped me get to know Janet in a way that I didn't before which I guess is the point of the documentary I mean it was really beautifully done I thought they did a really really super duper good job so yes thank you Annie I appreciated that and it was good like it was actually really good so if you haven't seen it definitely check it out. I would recommend it. It was really well done. That wraps up this week's episode of School and Life. Thanks so much for listening. I invite you to invite someone else to listen. School and Life is, is a longstanding podcast. We've been in this game for four plus years. I think actually this year it'll be year five, 2022 will be year five of the School and Life podcast, something that I'm so very proud of. And the podcast is growing all the time. So definitely invite uh, you to share it with someone else. If you like the perspective shared here, if you like my approach, if you like the ways in which I talk about mentorship and digress on topics that matter to women like us and the topics we talk about on our favorite TV shows, I invite you to share the link in your group chat. Let the girls know all oh, this in school and life. You should check this out. Let them know why. I know that they'll be better for it. Thanks so much for listening. School's out. Class dismissed.